It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android. So what I've learned is you have to invest at the level to which you want to see the return. First lesson. Second lesson is you got to risk it all to gain it all. And so I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I can't. And so to make a r- even longer story short, I said, if this is really my purpose, I need you to show me something or do something because this is this right here is not working. Mm-hmm. And so I, I all roads led to me meeting a coach. She cost thirty thousand dollars. Now you heard me say thirteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that's me risking it all to gain it all. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know how the heck I'm gonna pay this woman. <laughs> I'm going to ask her, can I do payments and pray to God? It goes, the the deposit goes through my credit cards. I'm shaking. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sharing that because that was the scariest choice I've ever made, but it wasn't me choosing that coach. It was me trusting God. Wow. Within six months, I went from 13,000 to over $200,000. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. My David E. Simons. Hello and welcome to another episode of How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I'm honored and delighted to have a special guest with us today. She is a purpose entrepreneur, a leader of leaders, and I'm going to read you her bio and then we're going to dive right in. Dr. Nicole Roberts-Jones is uniquely gifted at one thing, drawing out what's best in you and helping you to take your brilliance to the bank. I don't don't think you guys heard that. Taking your brilliance to the bank. I love that phrase. A veteran of the entertainment industry, Nicole worked in talent management and casting before shifting her talents to help others bankroll their brilliance. She now works with entrepreneurs to create multiple streams of income from what they already know in order to build an empire from their expertise. Additionally, she provides training and development to corporations to raise employee engagement and retention. Her clients have included the Steve Harvey World Group, Dell, EMC, McDonald's, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Lisa Nichols, and Motivating the Masses, Coach Diversity Institute, and the Boss Network, to name a few. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nicole. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. And please call me Nicole. Please do, because we're friends now. We've been chatting already. So, yes. (laughs) Dude, Nicole. I'm excited. There's so much alignment I already know. But um, if we could if we could just jump right in, um, because this show is about helping people to discover, develop and distribute their purpose. And it's it seems from your bio, seems from the brand, all the things you do, your whole life is about purpose. But I'm sure there was a point where I'm assuming that you weren't clear on your purpose. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 
can you take us back to the journey and and how where you started you know your upbringing and then how you got sure. through so this started in 1993 yes 29 years ago and don't ask how old i am you know you'll figure it out by the end but listen as you read in my bio david i had the job i dreamed of ever since i was seven years old so i worked in the entertainment industry back then i worked for viacom's largest cable network we had an outreach over 89 million homes on a weekly basis now from there i worked in casting for the number one tv show on fox and then from there, I worked with a uh, production group and what we produced generated over $12.6 billion a year. And I'm sharing that with you because I want you to realize I was playing pretty big. And if you know me, like I think you know me, you know I was going to all the hot Hollywood parties. <laughs> so I was living the dream. However, in the dark of the night when I was by myself, David, I started to feel tormented and, and like something was missing. And I couldn't understand how I could feel like that when I loved my job. What I realize now is that, as, as they say in church, you know, stir up the gift is a Bible verse too, but you know, we used to sing in church, stir it up, stir it up. God was stirring up my gift. And, and so every time I tried to talk to one of my girlfriends about this thing I was feeling, again, now I realize he was stirring it up. I didn't, they didn't, and I didn't realize it then. They kept saying, are you crazy? You do realize where you work and you do realize what you do. So I couldn't understand how I could feel like this. And yet I, I was conflicted. And so to make an even longer story short, one of my good girlfriends volunteer, or asked me to volunteer with her at a youth program at our church on a Friday night. And then I started working with young women that night. As their eyes lit up, my heart lit up. And I said, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for. And so the reason I told you it was 1993 and the reason I said this is there was no such thing as coaching. At least I hadn't heard of it. So I had a decision to make, do I stay in this role where perception and, and judgment and every way anybody would ever know me, or do I do this thing that's rumbling in my soul? And so that really began my purpose focused journey in that moment. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, so, wow. You've got, like you said, you've got this dream job that's, you know, anyone would probably envy like that opportunity and all of that. So what, what transition happened to, to this point where you're getting clear on your purpose? Like what made you, it sounds like, you know, God was dealing with you, but, but mm -hmm. what made you understand, I imagine you had to, to leave and transition and what made that, what was that process like? So here's what I've learned in my journey now. So our, your purpose matriculates. So like we matriculate through the education center or education system. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we, you know, we start at elementary, they're going to junior high and high school and some college and on and on and on. But we know that system, we know the end from the beginning. We right. do not know our purpose matriculation system. I think what God does, and I think I know now, is he tells you when, where you are is no longer big enough for your gift. So what I realize now is my gift is casting and producing. What do I do now? Casting and producing. But it's about purpose now. My gift has always been, I have pictures of me at, at four, and my friends tease me that I used to be bossy and telling people what role they're going to play when we play games. Yeah, I've always been this girl. So I have a natural propensity to see your gift and see all the ways that you can make money in it. Now, of course, that was called casting and entertainment, but I didn't realize that was happening. So here's what happened just to give you guys context. So I started a program for teenage girls as a volunteer. Love working with my girls, uh, being from South Central LA, you know, this is right after the LA riots. And so I really felt like I was having my first such a time as this moment. What I didn't realize is God was using that to prepare me for what was next. So as my girls started to graduate from 
college because that was my goal, you know, help them figure out what they were gifted at. How do you translate that into a career? What I know now is called purpose. <laughs> and literally they were, they were graduating and saying either I'm not making the money I thought I was going to make, or I don't like the job I'm in, or I feel like something is missing, which was familiar. And so they started coming to me as grown women. And then they started referring their friends. It was one of them that sent me an article and said, Nicole, you know, you're my coach. What is that? So I started a coaching practice. So I transitioned over time to that, by the way, that work I do with teenage girls, it became a nonprofit. We had 10 chapters in 10 churches throughout the country. So God used that to grow my gift. I went back and got a master's degree and really began to understand how to do that in a, in a beyond volunteer and, and I began a company, but then I started a for-profit working with highly skilled professionals because over time it, be, it became, well, it started with women, then it moved to men and the corporations started calling. So what I realized is that my purpose was matriculating and with each new level, God grows you because had I at 23 years old in 1993, now y'all forgot how old I am, mm -hmm. in 1993, 23 years old, had God told me to work with grown folks, I didn't feel grown. So I, there's no way. And there was so much more I had to learn. So really it was over time. If you would have asked me, David, in 1993, if I was going to be an entrepreneur, I would have told you to shut your mouth. I'm not doing that. But mm -hmm. yet here I am, right? How, some 29 years later. And yes, I am fully engulfed in, in, in teaching other people how to take their gift. And as an entrepreneur, create multiple streams of income for it. But here's the last thing I'm going to say. When I say profit, I want you to understand the word profit means gain. So I'm not about money. I'm about how do you gain for God? When you make more money, you serve more people. That's my goal in everything I do with my clients. Whoa, 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 whoa. I love this. I love this. So, so I, I have so many questions. So, so let's, I knew I love That's why I said that. I'm like, I know he'll get this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back a step, right? You're, you're, you're building out, you've built out this program for, young young women and and you're seeing the transformation in their lives mm -hmm. now what caused you to say you know what i need to create a program around gifting because um and, and ironically right as you know the show is called how i discovered my gift we're not taught about this in school we're not taught about this honestly even in church most yeah. a lot of churches don't really break this they might talk about the gifts of the spirit but we're not talking just about the gifts of the spirit. There's other mm -hmm. gifts that people have. So where did this where did this fascination, this idea and understanding that you needed to help people with this? And this was the key for them to get their purpose. So, again, it happened a little, a little, a little over time. So that night when I was working with young women in my church in 1993, I walked my little 23 year old self up to the minister youth and I said, how come there's no programs here for teenage girls? And he said, why don't you start one? And I thought, oh, oh I'm not trying to start one. I'm trying to help you do your, your job. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. So because he said that to me, stay with me. So the next day I went to the library because this was before the Internet. So I started researching what does help look like? And then it's like God was dropping stuff in my spirit. I realized that's what was happening now. But I kept having these thoughts of me being from South Central L.A., me being the only person in my neighborhood that went to college, not because I'm smarter, not because I made better grades. Cause I didn't. I just made a different decision. And how could I start helping my girls make a different decision when teenage pregnancy was running rampant back then when, listen, there was no gang, but we didn't have guns when, when I was in high school, it was, it was knives. So you can't do a knife buy. So, so, so gang violence had gotten so bad. So it was such a different arena that I was starting to just figure out how could I stand in the gap? 
the way that my mentor that I met at 12 did for me. She was um, African-American and I had never seen anybody that went to college, let alone she was studying for the LSAT. So I thought if I could be that, let me be that. And so that really began the trajectory of looking at what can I pour into them. And so every week I would do the one workshop that I felt in my spirit and then things would come up. They'd ask me, I go research the next one. So over time I, I, I created a curriculum, but it was like a step by step by step. And then I created infrastructure and then I recruited mentors. So it was like everything I saw that was a need, I developed it. And, and little did I know, here's the deep part, y'all. So I'm going to keep it all the way real. When I went got my master's degree in social work, Okay, so I went from TV and film to social work because when I started looking in the want ads, because there was no internet again, <laughs> to try to find a job doing this because I loved it so much, right. I needed an MSW. Now, here's the deep thing. I never prayed about that MSW. This was me trying to figure out how do I get there. So when I'm sitting in my classes, in my MSW classes, they're teaching the exact way I had already done everything I'd done for my nonprofit. And I thought, well, and I'm talking to myself, mind you, I'm not even talking to God in class, okay? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, why am I here? And God said, I didn't tell you to go get your master's degree. You needed that. <laughs> Whoa. Right. So I'm sharing that with you because what I've learned and really what has aided me in every step I've taken is something I call the be, do, have formula. Mm -hmm. We're human beings, but we're not. We're human doings. Mm. So for me, what I was doing after God gave me that first revelation and even though I believe the girls telling me what their needs were was still God. But when I started to figure out what do I need to do to do this instead of praying about it, I started doing what I knew to do. Mm. And so what's shifted for me and what I began to learn over time is God's not going to show up and you're busy. He's going to wait for you to ask him what you need and then he'll direct your path. But mm. if you don't ask, sometimes he won't speak. And so that really has learning to sit in my being and everybody's being time is different. I call it Jesus time now. Mm -hmm. So I at least need at least 30 minutes in the morning. If I get more great, but if I don't have that time, I notice that it either takes me longer to do things or I make so many mistakes. Mm -hmm. So it's just that I think that is really what shifted everything for me was sitting in that time. And let me say one last thing. Yeah. It also allowed me to see myself in ways that I would have never seen myself. Mm. Yeah. Whoa. So, yeah, that's the two biggest thing, being time. And, and when you sit with God, God shows you who you are. That's good. That's good. Wow. So you went through this process um, and a lot of people don't really have a clear idea of what their gifting is. And you're 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 like discovering and getting clear on it. And at the same time, you're helping other people. Can you talk to us about what are some of the things that transpired in some of these young women's lives, what, what was starting to happen in the people that you were showing this path to? And what were some of those breakthroughs? So one, I think really not, I think I know what I was doing was giving people that I get to work with, I give them permission. So when the world tells you, you should be one thing. So I remember one of my girls was a gang member. Now, mind you, listen, I have never had a fight in my life, keeping it all the way real, okay? But I'm from South Central LA. If you guys saw Boys <laughs> in the Hood, that's pretty much where I'm from. But I was probably Brandy in the movie because I went to Catholic school. If you didn't see the movie, go watch it. You'll see what I mean, okay? So when one of my girls was a gang member and everybody was scared of her, I was scared too. But I'm more committed to your breakthrough than my fear. So, and that's really what David was. When he stood up before Goliath, he was more committed to his community than he was his own fear. Because, you know, the, he had to be scared. He was 12. Mm. So, or that's what some scholars say. But anyway, here's the thing. I remember she stood in my face and I stood back in her face. And I said, so now what? And I was like, Lord, please help me because I don't know what's going to happen after this. 
And she said, oh, you, you ghetto like me. And I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm a little offended because I'm not, you know, because I was running from where I was from. I'm going to keep it all over real. But what I realized, and that girl now has a master's degree. Whoa. What I realized is so many people ran from that. And I said, and what's it that you want me to do from this moment? And she couldn't answer. I said, when you get that answer, then I, then speak. And until you do, I don't want to hear you say a word. Mm. And I don't think anybody ever said anything like that to her before. And so what I, I've seen is my girls, many of them, some of them sleeping on the floor to not own their own businesses to like that girl has a master's degree. So I've seen them literally what I did was create a realm of reflection so that thoughts and ideas can be pondered and realized that where you could be is bigger than where you grow up, bigger than what you've been through. When God puts a gift in you, it's really taking the time to realize what that is and then have the guts to go after it. And so mm -hmm. even with some of my clients, when you are in a, of course, my husband's adding to the grocery list and it pings on my computer, gotta love it. But anyway, <laughs> when, you, when you are living in a world that tells you who you are supposed to be, and then the, the, it's a blessing. Sometimes it's not, it just doesn't feel like a blessing. I can see people's purpose. So I'll say sometimes, who told you you, you should do that? And the person will go, will go silent. Is that what you really want? Now, God has already dropped it in my spirit, but I, I'm not the person to say, well, God said, I'm not going to do that. I want you to tell me because I already know it. And so I, I found that when I challenge it, it gives them permission because then they say it out loud. So even like one of my clients who I met, and this is so funny, at an event, and I could see, I could feel all of my spirit. I needed to say something like, Lord, she don't know me. Come on, don't, don't, don't scare her. So she tells me she was a nurse for like 18 years, and now she's a financial coach or something. And I said, no, you're not that. That's no. And she's looking at me like, I said, so I'll look at you, and everything I see is image consultant. And I just walked away. And she, she said to me that literally she had been for years, like as a nurse, she had been styling people's nursing scrubs, you know, even as this culture, but because her family who she was an immigrant, I believe from Jamaica, I think mm -hmm. her family wanted her to get a good job. So, yeah. so fashion wasn't a good job. So, so for her, who then after working with her a year, she said her business increased, her business was negative 200 when I met her, her mm -hmm. business increased. And she told me this 500%. Because she got clear because people, you know, there's a Bible verse and I'll hush after this. It says, let your light so shine among men. I always add and women, Matthew 5, 16, mm -hmm. and let your, and, 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 and the goal is that God is being seen through you. When you're doing something that's contrary to who God created you to be, your light is not on. Mm -hmm. said said that's, that's fire. Right. <laughs> right. And so when she started doing that thing, her light started shining. People started coming to her easily. And so it really doesn't make a difference when you get clear. So mm -hmm. that's just a couple of examples. I, I, you know, I don't want to go on and on. And I know you got other questions. Wow. wow. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm so blown away right now. Um, so speaking of Bible verses, right. So the whole idea of this show was based on um, the parable of the talents, right? So mm -hmm. one, had one had two and then one had five. And then God was pleased with the ones that doubled theirs. And mad the one that hid theirs in the ground. Yeah. <clears throat> and in that story implied is there's three phases discover what God gave you. Right. So you like God doesn't like you said, God doesn't say, Dr. Nicole, this is what your gift is. He doesn't, he doesn't just drop it like that. Mm -mm. Um, you discover it. And then the second phase is you develop it. That's where you go and multiply it, get better at it, do what you need to do. And then the last phase is distribute it. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted to kind of go into your development process, right? Cause you couldn't have got to the high levels that you got in the entertainment industry doing the things you do, being an amazing coach as you are, 
doing all the things that you do without those unseen hours of of working in the dark when nobody sees you reading, yes. studying. So could you speak to the development of what it, you know, because I think people hear the glamorous part of getting a, finding your gift, but they don't mm -hmm. go into the, sometimes the work part of working that gift. Yeah. So, so, so let me tell you this. So, okay, just so you guys have uh, context. I started this in 1993. So by 2010, 17 years in, okay, I had a, what looked like a successful business. So again, I had 10 chapters of my nonprofit. It was faith-based. So it was in 10 churches throughout the country, cities throughout the country. And my for-profit coaching at the time, it was only women, but I do serve men too. Um, anyway, um, at the time it was mostly women. I had a max out coaching client roster, meaning I couldn't take another client. So in 2010, I wrote my first book. Okay. And I wrote my book because I thought, oh, I can give it to women I can't take as clients. And it could be a fundraiser for my nonprofit. Well, when that book came out is when I started getting invitations to speak all over the country. So listen, David, I had gotten my business to what I saw in 1993. The vision God gave me in 1993, I was there. However, I was only making $13,000 a year in my business. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So let me, let, me, let me break it all the way down so I'm going to keep it real. Okay, My ego was in the way. Hmm. So back then I had already gotten my master's degree. When I got my master's degree, my teacher asked me to come share with her class about my business. When I did that, I got offered to teach. So not only did I teach at USC for almost five years, but then my, uh, I met my husband, got married. We moved to Boston. I started teaching at Boston University. I never applied for any of those jobs. They were offered to me. So I was wow. feeling myself. I'm going to keep it all the way real. Yeah. So I kept thinking, I should know how to do this. Hmm. So there's a difference between cash equity and sweat equity. I kept putting sweat equity in my business. What do I mean? I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to work extra hours at night. Oh, I'm going to work half day Saturday. Okay, I'll work all day Saturday. Okay, I'll work half day Sunday. And if you're doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, isn't that the definition of insanity in That's the dictionary? Right. So what I had not done was invest. So what I've learned is you have to invest at the level to which you want to see the return. First mm -hmm. lesson. Second lesson is you got to risk it all to gain it all. What do I mean by that? So I remember this like it was yesterday. It was November 7, 2010. Just gotten home from another speaking weekend. So my daytime job, again, I was teaching at Boston University. My class was Monday at 8 a.m. I hadn't looked at my syllabus. I don't think I read the books or, or chapters I told my students to read. I hadn't written a lecture, lecture note, nothing. And so I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I can't. And so to make an even longer story short, I said, if this is really my purpose, I need you to show me something or do something because this, this right here is not working. And so I, I all roads led to me meeting a coach. She cost $30,000. Now you heard me say 13,000. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. wow. And so that's me risking it all to gain it all. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know how the heck I'm gonna pay this woman. <laughs> I'm gonna ask her, can I do payments and pray to God? It goes, the, the deposit goes through my credit cards. I'm shaking. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sharing that because that was the scariest choice I've ever made, but it wasn't me choosing that coach. It was me trusting God. Wow. Within six months, I went from 13000 to over $200,000. But here's the thing I want you to get. We all have blind spots around our purpose. Mm -hmm. We do what we do on autopilot. So mm -hmm. there's things intrinsic to your DNA. I call that there's your distinct natural ability that you don't even realize that you do. Mm -hmm. So it takes an outside person to then shine a light for you to see it. When she started showing me all the stuff I do, I had been overlooking my gift for producing. She was like, you can produce my programs for me. Matter of fact, she hired me. And I was like, yes. And then she started selling me. So then I was like, this is easy. She was like, yeah, for you. So literally I shifted. I mean, it shifted not just my business, it shifted my life. 
Because before then, I wasn't standing in all of who I was. I probably was standing in 10%. After that, I was standing in 90%. Or let me not say, I'm, you're never going to be at 100. So let me say I'm probably standing at 70. Because when we're at 100, that means you're perfect. And we'll be gone sitting next to Jesus. So, <laughs> so that made the difference for me is investing in someone that was 10 steps ahead of me that can show me the journey. Wow. I'm so glad you shared that. A lot of people don't don't share that and thank you for your transparency and your honesty and and sharing the 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 investment that you i love that you said you had to risk it all to gain it all and you you you, you poured all, like just like that uh woman in the bible that had her her, her last she had to yes give the oil yes the prophet give her give the prophet the prophet imagine the, the prophet said give me the last of what you and your son were going to use for you and you and him to die right you know like, excuse me right you know what i mean and, and you literally put it all on the line so sometimes people think when you know like what 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 can a coach why should i spend x amount of dollars like you said 30k 50k whatever amount to to invest myself what what would happen let me ask you this dr nicole what would happen if you you know and obviously god is sovereign but but what would have happened if you didn't make that investment into yourself? What do you think would have been the trajectory compared to where it is today? Oh, first of all, I would have had to quit because there's no way, no way. But here's what I also know, David, is God invests so much in us. He gives us our gifts and talents. He, he gives us so much. And God is always looking at what's his return on his investment. That's why I love that you use the, the parable of the talents. Mm -hmm. The reason the two workers were rewarded is because they invested in what their boss, I say boss because I don't like to say servant, their boss gave them, right? <laughs> and they got return. So God is mm -hmm. always, so what you going to do with what I gave you? So mm -hmm. in that moment, when I said I risked it all to gain it all, what I was doing was saying, okay, God, I'm going to take this gift you gave me. I'm going to invest in it. And literally the return came, the harvest came because I invested and I did the work. So for me, and listen, that wasn't the only coach I've hired. I'm always coaching with somebody, whether it's, yeah. whether it's, listen, I'm going through menopause. Now y'all really going to know how old I am. I had to get a whole new coach because the old coach wasn't working. And I'm like this right here, this weight, because I'm vain, vain first always, as my pastor would say, but, <laughs> but I, I need to be able to have the energy I want to have. So I can continue to do this work. So if you're ever going to advance. First of all, I wish that I could tell my coach, I want to look like JLo and I'm going to sit right here. You go ahead and do my workout. I'm going to sit right here. Tell me when yeah. you're done. I'll be drinking my water while she's working out. It doesn't work like that. Mm. So when you want something different, you got to do something different. And when you don't know what it is, you've got to hire somebody that does. Mm, that's good. That's good. I love it. I love it. So can you talk to us now about, about the bankroll and, 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 and turning this you know, because you, you've taken us through your journey of of you not knowing clearly what your gift was and then getting clarity, God giving you the download, you operating it, attracting all these great opportunities, teaching, and then and then going into academia and then, you know, like you said, some pride, ego a little bit, and then getting the opportunity to, to invest into yourself and then, you know, quadru I don't even know what that is, quadrupling, quintupling <laughs> your business. And now you're taking all that you've poured into yourself and you're helping others to go into this realm of, of shifting their bankroll, get, getting their bankroll through their, their brilliance. So if you could break that down for us, what's that about? Sure. So, so let me say this, you know, when you think about bankroll, it's a supply of money and God is our ultimate supplier. 
So it's so funny when I say things like your purpose is meant to profit and people are like, well, how can you say purpose and profit in the same sentence? Let me, let me say a couple of things to you. Number one, and I'm not saying to David, cause he already knows I'm saying to y'all that are listening. Right. <laughs> so one, I'm clear. This is my ministry. So ministry, if you look it up in Webster, the first two definitions say something about religion or church. The third one says to serve a group of people. We're all called to serve. I'm a marketplace apostle, marketplace minister, number one, okay? So number two, when I make money, so when I just told you that story, I was making $13,000 since we friends now, can I tell y'all why I wasn't making no money? I had one stream of income. And that income was I was coaching. And when you have a full-time job, and you should start your business alongside your nine to five, because when you make money, your business has to go back in your business and you need to eat and have, you know, Wi-Fi <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, right? So what happens is, if I'm still working, which I was a full-time job, I only have so many hours in my day that I can coach people. So how do I then start to create more income when I only have maybe three hours a day? So what I realized is that you've got to be able to take your gift and look at all the ways you can serve people where you're not present. So if I give you a more concrete example, um, I've had the pleasure to work with Dr. Deborah Tillman, who's America's super nanny. When she came to me, she had the opposite issue that I did. She was making money, traveled all over the country. At the time, she owned childcare centers. I don't know if she still does. Um, and, I mean, she's speaking all over the world, right? So, and coaching families, but some families either couldn't afford her or she had no more room on her roster. And so when she came to me, what I always tell my clients is you got to create a blueprint from your methodology that's in here. The hardest part is we all have a methodology, yeah. or a system we use like for instance in the morning there's a whole way or actually let me tell you a few minutes ago because i was not looking like this before david i was cooking and so there's a whole way i put my makeup on if i miss a step i've done this while i've missed doing my eyebrows and i've been on national tv like oh lord i forgot my eyebrows because i didn't do it in my systemic process of how i put my makeup on mm -hmm. so i told dr uh, deborah that you know we've got to look at what your methodology is and she said i don't have a methodology i tailor the experience every time i work with a parent mm -hmm. i said okay are you done with that it was silent. I was like, Ooh, she's gonna fire me. She's gonna fire me. But I think she just said, you know, let me just see what she's gonna tell me to do. So I gave her the homework I give to every single one of my clients so that they can really begin to see who they be. She came back to our second call in tears. And I'm saying that because she had no idea. And so once you get create a methodology, you stop doing whatever, whenever, however, number one. Number two, there's ways you could take that methodology and make it various programs. So for her, we created what she calls the GPS, the greater parenting system. So she could have GPS online. She could do GPS groups. You know, there's all kinds of ways you could take that. And so for me, what I had to learn in that time is how do I take my gift and create all these streams around it? And so that's really what I teach my clients is helping them understand what their methodology is. There's pieces you will never see, whether you work with me or somebody else, you've got to hire somebody that's outside of you to see it. Yeah. And then second, looking at all the ways that they should. Now, when I say make money, that means that the money you make. So listen, because I make money, I have now I have eight people on my team. Because I, I'm making revenue, I now have a um, back-end team that works with my clients. So for me, the more money I make, the more clients I can serve because I can hire people that can support me in supporting my clients. So that's really ultimately why God wants you to profit. He said in John 10, 10, I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. But here's what we forget. That same Bible verse is the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. So while I was in my ego, that was the enemy trying to steal, kill and destroy this thing. So when you ask me what would have happened, oh, the enemy would have won. 
had I never humbled myself and said, oh my God, I need help, Lord. God already knew I needed help, by the way. He was waiting on me. He, he knew for whole 17 years that I needed help. But here's the other thing, and I'll hush after this. I believe God allowed it to happen for 17 years. So I'll be so passionate now about it that it didn't have to take me 17 years. And so I know he allowed it so that I'd be so on fire that it doesn't even take you 17 months to get it. That's so beautiful. I love it. I love it. Wow. It's such a, a deep meaning behind it is, you know, some people put just crazy ca catchy titles, but yours is it's like, it's a catchy title, but there's such a deep, deep, deep level behind that brilliance. And can I even tell you too that that title came from? I always ask my clients at the end, you know, tell me what the result was for you. One of my clients said, you helped me bankroll my brains. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna use that from now on. So I didn't write that. <laughs> what do my clients wrote that? Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. So, so talk to us about, because there's, there's two sides, right? You serve entrepreneurs and you also serve you know, cor cor large corporations and, and helping them. Talk to us about what you do for, for both aspects. So usually when an employee isn't happy, um, there's a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah. They're either in the wrong seat on the right bus or they're on the wrong bus altogether. Right. And so if we can find the right seat that's in alignment with their purpose, a couple of things happen. Number one, especially after COVID, so many people are, are looking for meaning and fulfillment in their work. So when you love your work, you're gonna outperform everybody else. So it's a win-win for the employee, but it's a win-win for the company because of the performance and the indicators that happen because of that. I think so many of us, and I think, so I'm included, I had that list, you know, that I'm gonna have 2.5 kids and I'm gonna have this car and this house. And, and then we get to that. And again, I loved my job, but it comes a time when either you outgrow it or Michelle Obama wrote this in the comments. So if you didn't read the book, spoiler alert for one minute, <laughs> she literally said, and I think chapter 10, I hated being a lawyer. Now, mind you, she had gone to Harvard. She had gone to, I think, Princeton. She had matriculated through all the, and then realized she hated being a lawyer. Wow. Now, does that mean she wasn't meant to be a lawyer? I truly believe she could not have been a phenomenal first lady without it. However, because she then went into learn nonprofit management and some other pieces, I believe God was using all of that to get her ready for the White House. So I think what many of us do is we stay in that perception place, which would have been for her being a lawyer. I'm sure she's probably being offered to be a partner at some point. So does she go to be a partner or does she go do this thing that she feels rumbling inside her or figure out what it is? Yeah. So, so in corporations, when people come to me, it's usually that they are on that list of things and I, I have to give them permission to let it go or they don't know what is next. And it's just a simple uh, discovery of their purpose to really get in alignment with what I believe God's assignment is for you. And yes, you're assigned even at a company because your company was created as a need to a problem, whether it's your company as an entrepreneur or Pepsi or uh, look or Apple. Thank you, Steve Jobs for Apple um, or whatever it is. It was created as a need some kind of way. And so when you are doing the thing you do, you're a part of making that need happen. So when you hate it, then you're not working as optimal as you could to do that. You usually have doing your job because you want to be there. So it's really getting you in a place where you love your work and then you outperform. That's gold. That's gold. Wow. So, I mean, could you speak to that person, right? Like that was you that's in the dream job. Mm -hmm. and, or 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 they're in the golden hamster wheel as some people like to call it mm -hmm. right you know they're getting the they're getting that direct deposit 
but they're actually, <coughs> excuse me, mm -hmm. they're actually supposed to be operating in their gift. What advi advice, and they are operating in their gift, but they're supposed to operate in their gift in a different means, maybe through entrepreneurship, through consulting, mm -hmm. in their own vein. What, what advice would you give to that person to make, and not, not just because I, I I believe, like you said, too, you know, people got to eat, can't just jump out of the nest and just, you know, got to use wisdom. But what advice would you give to them if they're listening to this and struggling with that? That your comfort and your conviction cannot coexist. So when God is rumbling something in you, it's going to be uncomfortable, number one. Number two, you've got to do it in, I can say it's power your pivot. So if you are a basketball person, it's the only game I know y'all, okay? So when you are making a pivot turn, that means one foot is in one place while the other foot is turning. So when you're starting your business or even when you're moving career, you can volunteer in another department or go sit down with people in another department and try it out without you moving the foot from where you are. So I think it takes a pivot, but it also when, you, when it's time to now move all the way in it, because pivot's still comfortable sometimes. Mm. So when it's time, so for me, when I finally quit that daytime job I, and I waited on God's timing, I didn't do it in my timing. I waited for God. I kept saying, God, tell me when I get my pink slip. <laughs> so when, and I'm going to tell you, my daytime job got so bad. The head of my department at, I went from Boston University to Boston College was such a jerk that I, I would every day, it would be like a faith walk. Wow. And it, I know it got bad because the enemy was trying to make me quit before my time. Mm -hmm. And so it got uncomfortable even in my daytime job. Mm -hmm. So I kept praying about it. But even when you quit now, mind you, God doesn't tell you have stupid faith. He wants you to have wise faith. Okay. So faith means that when I quit, I knew how much money I needed to make every year. I already had a revenue generation plan that was working. I didn't just jump out on faith on a savings account that I might have and don't have any way to know if I'm gonna have any money coming. So you've got to have strategic faith where you, so for me, I had strategy when I quit, but I still waited for God to tell me it was time. And so, so the few things again to repeat one, your comfort and your conviction cannot coexist. You've got to, it's the power of your pivot yep. and you've got to have wise strategic faith. Don't have stupid faith and blame that on God. Mm -mm, don't blame your stupid decisions on God. That ain't fair. <laughs> wow. No, that's good. That's good. I, I, I think you just set somebody free really, truly. Now, if you could, if you could help set another person free, because this is what I'm starting to see too, mm -hmm. is the person that's in a business that is actually doing really well. They're entrepreneurial. They're mm -hmm. doing what they need to be doing. They're taking care of their family, but it's not the purposeful business that God had in mind for them. Mm. They're killing. We know about people leaving from jobs to businesses, but there are a lot of people right now that have businesses that aren't in their optimal purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's that being time. It's mm. when you sit in quiet. Cause here's what I know. What's the Bible verse say? All things work together, not a couple of things, not a few things. So God is going to use what you did there. But it may be like me, a little pivot shift that God is trying to tweak it a little. And that's why you're feeling uncomfortable or not happy. So it's really looking at how are you in alignment with your assignment? So so the example I use of this, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I'm getting laugh in a minute, is when your tires are out of alignment, you know, you could risk accident. You could risk, you know, all kind of stuff. And when I was little, I remember my dad used to say all the cars that rode lopsided on the street, that's because they're out of alignment. So every time I think about it, the reason you feel lopsided is because you're out of alignment with the will of God. You've got to know there are people assigned to you as their answer. And so when you're doing something outside of that, God is going to still keep making it feel uncomfortable. Mm. Or things are going to continue to happen to you until you say yes. 
And so I think it's just sitting in that being time and letting God speak to you. Oh, he'll show you, but he's not going to show up and you're busy. He's going to let you keep doing what you do and move on to someone that will be obedient to what he's calling them to do. That's good. That sounds like a good book title for you. He's not going to show up and you're busy. Oh, okay. That, you know, that's good. Um, right. So uh, a few more moments of your time, Dr. Nicola, this has been tremendous. Um, one of the things we like to really uh, look at, too, is is the importance of because I just know just looking at your site, looking at your like you're you're obviously a marketer. Right. And and and, and God also wants us to be, I believe, wants us to be good marketers of what we have, because you can have this amazing gift. You right. can develop it to the highest level. But if you keep it in a box and nobody knows then what's what's the point? So mm-hmm. could you speak to the importance of of how marketing has helped you in your sure. business and how people that have now discovered those gifts, developed those gifts, should be doing what they should be doing from a marketing standpoint. So you're gonna you're gonna kill me for this. I don't call it marketing. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Because people don't understand what marketing is, or they don't understand what branding is, or they do what I call they have Millie Vanilli syndrome. Now, if you don't know who Millie Vanilli is, David, don't make me feel old. But those of you that don't, okay, those of you that don't, they came out in the 90s. They won the best new Grammy, um, no, best new artist from the Grammys in 91. And then someone in their team actually told that they were lip syncing on that track. And I see so many people like, oh, David's doing it. Oh, and he's like, I'm going to do what David is doing. Your DNA wasn't putting you to be David. I don't care if I try to be Oprah or dare I say, if Oprah tries to be me, when mm-hmm. Oprah tries to be, even if Oprah tries to be David, she'll fail every day because her DNA wasn't putting her to be David. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I call marketing a relationship building mm-hmm. because had my husband brought my ring to my first date, I would have been like, this brother is crazy. Please somebody come get me. <laughs> and so many people think they're gonna put up a pretty website and they go post a cute picture on social media and people gonna buy. Uh-uh-uh. You right. gotta let people date you. Mm-hmm. So you gotta let them experience you. Think about the good days you've had and think about the bad days you had. The good ones, oh, I can tell you, look, I could do a whole episode on all the bad dates I've had, okay? Mm-hmm. But the good ones is because they showed you their value and you can feel that they were real, that they weren't being fake and they were being consistent. So you've got to let people see you, not the second rate version of David, not the third rate version of Oprah, because listen, if you're going to copy somebody else, one of us isn't necessary. That's right. So you've got to allow people to experience you. I think that's the best marketing. So every marketing technique doesn't fit everybody. Like you'll never see me pointing this stuff in social media. I hate that. Mm-hmm. It's just not, I just, cause everybody's doing it now. So it makes me not want to do it. <laughs> right. What? So you've got to find what works for your brand and allows people to date you before. Like I always tell my clients, you know, that means you can put a ring on it. Cause you're my client. Right. Cause they hear me say, I'm like, you put a ring on it. Right. Or I'll say you're shopping for a ring girl and they'll laugh at me because that's really what it is. And when we commit, I'm I'm a long term, you know, I'm not a I'm not a one night stand kind of girl. I'm a long term commitment kind of girl. Exactly. So I want to serve you optimally so that we get in that long term relationship. So I want right. you to think about that when you're putting up a website, when you're posting to social media, is it showing somebody a hundred percent who you are or are you being the representative? Mm. And all my girlfriends that dated the representative are now divorced. Mm. Ooh, that's fire. Bars, gems. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um so the, the, the final question that we ask, and then I also like, well, the final question before the ultimate final question <laughs> we ask is, um, what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? One's mm. gift and one's well, gift. I think it's purpose is so much more than just your gift. 
I think it's a blending of what you absolutely love and what you're absolutely great at. So if I'm going to be completely transparent, y'all. So when I had that moment when I knew I was supposed to leave entertainment, I was like, well, I love to shop. So maybe that's what I'm meant to do. And I'm good at it for me. I'm not good at it for anybody else, which means it has to be the answer to a problem. Mm -hmm. So I think their gifts, you can be gifted at it, but you may not be talented in it. So like, for instance, I can dance, but I can't sing. So I can never be Beyonce, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to really look at what level is your gifting and how does that also meet your skill? Because you've got to have both at play. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not good at it, I don't care how gifted you are, it's not going to work. So like, for instance, I'm great at being a CEO, but let me tell you right now, I cannot add in my head. So I could never be an accountant. Mm -hmm. I always have to look, I have to have my husband look at my PL. I'm going to keep it all the way real because I'm horrible at numbers. Right. And I have no problem saying that, but that's what my husband who is a physicist can add in his head. I'm like, baby, can you make sure I did that right? I'm clear. Yeah. yeah. So you'll never see me doing a budget workshop. And if you do, you need to run and not take it. <laughs> So you gotta be clear that, but, but, but I have to do that because I'm a CEO. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be clear on your lane of genius. Now, let me say this one last thing. Mm -hmm. Just there's a difference between could and should. Let me say that one more time. There's a difference between could and should. So when I first started coaching, I hated it because I was being a business coach. So people would ask me, should I be an S corp or an LLC? And here I am on Google looking up S corp and LLC. Yeah, no business doing that. I'm not a business coach. I'm a bankroll, your brilliance coach. You've got to know the difference. So could I coach people to start their businesses? Sure, I can tell you the stuff you need to do, but that's not my giftedness. And even if it is, because it's an area of business I am gifted in, there's a niche that is specific to the specialized area that I should serve in. So I think that when you have a gift, you got to really get clear on who's it for, how is it an answer, and what specialized area is, is it meant to serve in. Just because you have a gift in area doesn't mean you're meant to serve in every area. And I think it really is spending time getting to know who you be and, and studying it. And then again, I'm going to tell you, it took a coach for me because I had been overlooking it for years and didn't realize I was overlooking it. Wow. No, that is wisdom. That is wisdom. So um, can you tell us about how people can plug in and love what they've heard today? How can they get more connected? Um, we'll, we'll definitely plug in the, your site, but... So some of the offerings that you have, I know you have a, um, a book that you have available. Sure. So I have a, a free ebook, all of you that either are starting a business. Now this is for service-based business. If you have a pen or, you know, some product business, let me say to you that you do have intellectual property that you can make money from. Because mm -hmm. there is a manufacturer that somebody you did this or somebody's going to ask you how you did it. Uh, you can coach them to do it. I'm just saying. So with that, bankrollyourbrilliancebook.com teaches you 15 ways you can get paid for what you know. Mm -hmm. And I want you to understand. I love the question you just asked me that leads into this book because just because you can do it. Remember, I said it's just between could and should. You got to get clear on what God is calling you to do. And how do you do that? Look at what makes you come alive during the day. Like when people call you and ask you to do certain things, it just feels so good. Yeah. That that's connected to the thing you're good at is it. And so that, and then NicoleRobertsJones.com. I know you said you're going to plug it in, but here's what I know. If you, if I'm resonating with you and you're looking for a coach, then look, look at my page and see the ways that I can help you. The last, the last thing I'm going to say is I never sell you. I serve you. So if it's not a good fit, I'm going to tell you no with love. And you see, I point you in the right direction. And, you know, what I know is when I get to serve with a servant leader like David, you know, it doesn't it doesn't serve the kingdom for us not. Because ultimately, when I get to die and meet God face to face, I don't want him to say, well, why did you take David's money? Uh-uh. 
And, and matter of fact, you in the wrong line. You need to be at the other line. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So ultimately, everything I do is in service to be the woman that God has called me to be. So I'm happy to serve anybody that feels like um, we are aligned to work together. Wow. Beautifully, beautifully said. Uh, Dr. Nicole, it's been a pleasure. I, I, I always ask this as well. It's, is there anything on the table that is still on your heart that you feel that someone needs to hear? Um, if, if so, um, for the only thing I would say, the only thing I would say is what's God's return on his investment in you? Are you giving God a great return? My goal, and I said a little bit of this a second ago, when I meet God face to face, I want him to say, job well done. I, there's a quote that says 95% of people die having only used 5% of their gifts and talents. I want to use 105% of mine. I want to play so full out that God is like, give me a high five when I get there. So I really want all of you to ponder, what's God's return? Are you all the way in? Or are you just, just put your toe in? How far are you into giving God a great return on his investment in you? Wow, amazing. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Nicole, for blessing <laughs> people, blessing me. I'm going to go back and take notes and watch this over and over again. You bless me and so many other people today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, David. Thank you. Appreciate you. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast dot David, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S dot com and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.